Hello and welcome to the Watching World podcast, a podcast of abundant life, whose mission is to see lives changed by Jesus, and whose vision is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. I'm your host, Les Norman, and thanks for joining us today. In this world today, we have seen, well, in this generation, we have seen some of the craziest things maybe that that maybe you out there, I know myself for sure, it's definitely a year of firsts. 2020 is a year of firsts. We've had a pandemic. Uh, In my generation, I have not seen racial divide like we have we have seen in in probably a long time. There may be some of you out there that that have seen this before, but I definitely have not. And it's something that's really coming to the forefront. I would definitely say that it is prevalent for sure. And so for our first podcast and our first guest, uh, a friend of mine has uh, come to join us. His name is Jeff Cox. He is the wellness pastor at Abundant Life. He's been so for the last five years. Um, Jeff has earned his master's degree in theology, his doctorate of ministry and counseling, and is responsible for, here at Abundant Life, the Counseling Center, the Leadership Institute, and the Peace Ministry. So, Jeff, you have plenty of time on your hands. So, uh, welcome to the Watching World podcast. Great to have you here. It's great to be here. Um, I'm honored to be uh, the first podcast. Absolutely. I'm honored to have you here. So um, before we dive into everything, uh, first of all, you are the head of the Counseling Center. So tell us about your staff. Tell us about what you offer at the Counseling Center. Yeah. So one of the things that I love about Abundant Life is we have a Counseling Center, probably have 20 to 25 counselors, licensed counselors, uh, counselors uh, working towards licensure. Really a opportunity to help people, minister to people. I'd say 60% the people we help are out in the community, don't even go to Abundant Life. And uh, we'll probably do, uh, we'll be a little lower this year because of COVID, but, you know, usually we can do eight to 9,000 counseling sessions a year. That's uh, that's incredible. That's awesome. I love the fact that you, that you offer that. And one of my passions is leadership. It has been for a long time talking about servant leadership, biblical servant leadership. And so tell us a little bit more about the Leadership Institute. So um, Ally is what we call it, Abundant Life Leadership Institute. And, you know, just over the course of my life, looking at a lot of constructs for leadership and things, um, I saw some um, leadership institutes really emphasize a lot of theology, a lot of biblical training, kind of maybe what you'd get if you went to a Bible college or seminary. Then some of them would really stress what I call um, influencing people. That's kind of the John Maxwell world, kind of, um, you know, the the world of um, you read the book, Good to Great or Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders, kind of that right. world. And then the final world was um, kind of the Henry Cloud world was emotional intelligence and um, rather than pick between the different models, uh, we tried to come up with an institute that would have all three. And so Abundant Life Leadership Institute, it's a two-year institute, and we're trying to develop leaders that are um, theologically centered, um, influentially leveraged, and emotionally intelligent. So the other thing that you're heading up is the peace ministry, which leads right into our topic today. So describe a little bit about what the peace ministry is all about. So that was kind of born out of a lot of things that happened this year, but... Um, when George Floyd was killed, um, and just the reaction that happens, uh, a lot of churches, as rightly so, really um, start to question, um, how can we really minister to this world, this watching world? And uh, Pastor Phil uh, put together a, a racial reconciliation task force, and we had a lot of meetings. But, and, and as Pastor Phil's talked about on Sunday mornings, what really came out of the meeting was rather just a one and done, and not that these things are are not good things that have been done in the past, but you would maybe, Phil would go 
um, preach at a predominantly black church and you'd have a black pastor preach at Abundant Life or you'd have this like initiative to do something. And those were good things. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things, but we really didn't feel that they were sustainable. And to really uh, be a church that impacts issues like this, especially in our community, we really um, came to the conclusion that it, it needed to be an ongoing ministry, something sustainable that could be reproducible. So um, Peace Ministry um, was born out of a heart to really see the gospel um, effective in our community about bringing reconciliation. So I got to ask you before we dive into this topic, Jeff, uh, again, I've known you for a couple of years. You've been so helpful for me. Uh, we, we've had many great conversations before. You seem to have an amazing heart for people. I definitely want to give you that compliment because so many of us want to feel loved and cared for, know that we're going to be okay. Uh, and, and behind every face, there's a drama unfolding. The late friend, Mike Lasardi used to tell me that, and I know he got that from someone else, but uh, you seem to have an incredible heart for people. So when did you know that this is what you wanted to do, that you just wanted to help people and, and get into Inside their heart and mind a little bit and, and just experience uh, some freedom from things that they're dealing with. You know, um, I grew up in a great tradition of faith with a lot of people who invested in me. And I really felt like I was grounded in uh, a high respect for the Word of God and uh, theology and teaching. But there was also another interest I had. It was just the question of why do we struggle? And uh, that was kind of a bent more towards um, psychology and things like that. And both of those would be going on. And then um, probably this really tangible desire to see people really get better. And um, I'd see a lot of people, myself included, you'd go to church, you would hear sermons and you'd have these principles. And and I love a good sermon and I'm a teacher, but um, actually helping people uh, and I'm going to use a cliche here, unpack or there process. Yeah, yeah there's a lot those. of them. Yes, I'm going to throw out a lot of nerdy counselor terms. <laughs> um, can they take that truth and really have it change their life and change their heart? And, um, and, and the whole idea, this is kind of a, a big idea, but that eternal life doesn't start when we die. It's not that I live this life now and I have eternal life that doesn't begin till I die and then I go live someplace else, Right. that the eternal life has already started now. Mm. And that does the gospel, does the, the truth, the reality of the resurrection of Christ, God's heart to redeem, can that redeem my life right now? Can that redeem the relationships in my life, how I view myself, other people, God, uh, my community? Uh, can I see that kind of change now? And, you know, I, I think if um, we're not really making a difference in people's lives, in a way, we're just kind of playing church uh, for a lot of reasons I wouldn't get into. And I just think that, you know, that that wasn't enough for me. And, and I just, you know, I had this heart to see people's lives changed in the here and now. Well, thank you for all you do. I know you've helped so many. You've definitely helped me. And and hearing you talk now, now we have a lot of material for another podcast. <laughs> so we'll <laughs> dive into that topic at a sure. later time. But uh, as we move on here, like I said at the beginning, this year has been crazy. The topic of racism has jettisoned into the forefront. I really can't remember in my lifetime when I have seen more division everywhere. And of the the many questions we could begin this podcast with, I know you and I decided this would be, uh, we, we could have gone a few different ways, 
with the topic of this, but to really dig down to the root of it, we're asking the question. So I guess the title of this podcast would be, why does racism exist? And so that's not an easy question just to answer right there. So that's sure. why I bring the expert and friend in here, Jeff Cox. And so uh, I'll just ask you and let you run with it, Jeff. Why does racism exist? So um, it is a big question. And I, I always feel like this, if we, if we can start with the Bible and we can start with um, good theology, then um, we're going to end up in a good place. And uh, my goal today is not to sound too nerdy about all of this and, uh, and not to get, you know, down rabbit holes and things that would distract us just to begin with something I think that the Bible is just clear about. So I kind of have this in my head. Um, racism exists because God's image has been diminished in us and we do not love each other. Mm. And God is wanting to restore his image in us which reconciles us to God and each other. And this gets into really, I think, the foundational truth of the Bible. But back in Genesis, it talks about man being created in the image of God. And boy, theologians um, talk about that, debate that, the nuances of that. And, uh, and I don't want to go down that trail, but there's an aspect definitely of the image of God that is relational, okay? And... When you look at how this unfolds through the rest of the Bible, how Jesus sums up the Torah when asked, what's the greatest commandment? And, you know, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he immediately tags on something from the book of Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's how Jesus is going to sum up the Torah. You continue to go through the Bible and you get to the book of John, and the, the main idea is that he's given us a new commandment. Well, what's new about it? We were always supposed to love our neighbors ourselves. Well, the new command is we love people as he's loved. He's actually modeled it for us. You go through on the book of Romans to love without hypocrisy. You go to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and he says, now abide with faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. You go to the book of Galatians, and what fulfills the law, and he repeats it again to love your neighbor as yourself. You get to other authors like Peter and how do we grow when we add to our faith, uh, knowledge and virtue and knowledge and those things. And that ends up with um, brotherly kindness and charity at the end of that. And then Jesus's best friend, John, writing the very last epistles that are going to be written in the New Testament. And First John 4 is, is just this huge summary statement that God is love and this, this argument that you can't say you love God who you haven't seen if you can't love your brother whom you have seen. And so when we talk about racism at a foundational level, what was destroyed or diminished, I would say, in man when he fell, when sin entered the world, and it is the image of God. And that is why Christ did die and resurrect to restore that image. But if you're just going to nail that down, I believe God is restoring us to be great lovers, great lovers of himself and great lovers of each other. And so racism is born out of our sin, meaning our propensity now. Uh, in the New Testament, Paul calls this our flesh, our sarks, our predisposition to do things counter to God. And really what's happened is that there's something, a bent within us that we're born with 
there's a world system working against what God wants, and that doesn't even mention a real enemy, Satan, and it is working towards making us hate each other. And so racism, when we say it is a sin issue, and I do want to talk more about that. Sure. But when we talk about that, we're really talking about my capacity to love other people has been diminished because of sin, and the gospel is the answer to that. Right. And, and one of the verses that I, I had uh, typed out here, a new command I give you, love one another as I, as, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And you would referenced that from John 13, 34. Uh, and then you talk about the battle. It's the Ephesians 6 battle. This, is, this battle is not against flesh and blood. This battle isn't really, truly, if you really look at it, it's not me sitting across from someone that's a different color, a different race, or someone like that, although our human minds might see that. But it's also the same thing. And we definitely will not go down this rabbit hole today. But, you know, it's the election. It's, it's this side versus this side. It's uh, any kind of divide when we look at someone that is, doesn't believe how we believe, doesn't look how we look, and those presuppositions, those, those prejudgments in our mind, like, well, you're not like me, you don't, therefore you don't believe like me, therefore you do things different, therefore I have to keep my distance from you, I can't love you because of, and it's amazing to me, I catch even myself in this flesh sometimes of, of thinking that uh, instead of looking at that person, I wonder who they are. I wonder what they love. I wonder what they like. I wonder what they do. My thought is the sinful flesh in me is, well, you're different from me. And so I have to kind of really tiptoe around it. And uh, you're different from me instead of maybe me thinking, you know what? I'm different from you. Let me learn about you. Let me find out what you love, what you like, what your family's like. And it's just that, that, fleshy stuff on our bones, that that sinful skin that we live in that causes that to be the first reaction. And I, I just so long, Jeff, to not be that way. And yet it's that sin that's always creeping at my door. And um, yeah, and, and I think this is something you hear a lot when people say this. It, it, once again, a cliche, but I see this posted all over the place um, on Facebook and Instagram and it's simply this, you'll hear this, it's not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. Right. And I, I agree with that. It's, it's that flesh. But at times I feel like, okay, that's a great starting statement. But until you, dis what do you mean by that? What is the sin? What, I mean, I think we can all look at egregious things. Um, I, you know, I remember, I think we're probably the same age. I remember Alex Haley, I remember Roots. Right. I remember watching that on television. You know, I remember um, the scene where um, Kunta Kinte is beaten to, to change his name. There was something in me as a child. I knew that was reprehensible. That is obviously sin. Right. I, I mean, you know, now back then they might not have seen it that way, mm -hmm. the people doing that. But now right. I, that doesn't take a lot for me to see that. But it's more difficult for me to have um, the self-awareness to look at my own flesh and predisposition, predisposition, which Paul says there's nothing good that dwells in that. Right. And, and, and here's where, here's how I know this is such a difficult issue. And we were even sharing before we started here that, you know, I'm very passionate about this. And at the same time, you know, self-disclosure, there's a lot of fear in me to even approach this issue. Right. And, you know, I, I have a counseling center, 20 to 25 counselors, and people will come in with what we call presenting problems. 
And we have people come in and uh, I'm a bad spouse. I need to work on my marriage. We have people come in. I'm a sex addict. Um, things that have been done to him. I've been molested. I've been abused. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with anxiety. And I was um, asking a lot of my counselors, and this isn't an empirical study. I don't want to misrepresent. But I was talking to my um, director of counseling, Doug Geiger, and I was asking um, uh, a lady that's on my counseling staff, one of my most cherished counselors. She's amazing. Um, she's a black woman on our staff. And I just asked him this question. How many times has somebody set up an appointment and they've wanted to come in? Here's my presenting problem. Here's what I'm struggling with. I'm a racist. They could not think of a time that ever happened. Now, mm. almost every other sin we see, okay, I, you know, even the things that are high shame sins that we would consider in our culture, I've, I've had an abortion or, you know, crimes that people have committed they share with counselors. No one comes in with that one. And it, there's just something about this issue, the stronghold that you don't deal with. The, the only time it's really dealt with is if you're kind of being a, a mediator between two people. And this usually happens when somebody wants to marry someone of a different race. And then the parents are objecting to that. And there's a conflict. And I've been in a lot of those discussions. And while there might be some racism going on, I would argue there is usually no one's like recognizing that they're almost, you know, fighting back or adverse to that. And so I would say identifying it as sin, this diminished capacity to love is the starting place. But then from there to be more specific and more honest with myself, I have to ask some other questions. So in, in hearing you talk, Jeff, and, and my guest is Jeff Cox. He's the wellness pastor at Abundant Life, has been so for the, the last five years. And Jeff, what I hear you say is if, if people aren't coming in and saying, hey, I need some help with this, I'm dealing with this, I think I might be racist or I have uh, racism that courses or whatever it may be, whatever level is one of the reasons maybe that we just as maybe as human beings, I'm not lumping everybody into it, but but in general, is it just that we don't see that as sin or we just don't even recognize it, that it's just this innate thing in us that, oh, well, that's not sinful. It's just, it's what I believe. And I think that is the the question we're always trying to get to. And you don't want to lump everyone into one group. Absolutely. But, but I would say this, um, you know, in my life, it takes a lot of introspection and a lot of brutal honesty for me to go into this area. I can see what I would consider overt racism, okay? I mean, if I'm studying, you know, chattel slavery in American history, I don't struggle from this vantage point to see that as blatant racism. But for me to really evaluate myself and my heart and to really evaluate, do I struggle with this? It's hard. And I'll give you some reasons. It's kind of like a, a zero-sum game, meaning you're racist or you aren't. I mean, it would be like um, everyone had to sign up. You're either an adulterer or you're not if you've lusted. I mean, we don't treat other sins as just you're this or you're that. I think, um, to be honest, the word racism, boy, there's a lot of um, a lot of connotations that are accurate, some that aren't, okay, just to be fair, a, a lot of definitions that are pretty good, pretty biblically solid, 
a lot of social constructs that maybe aren't as good. But no one wants to say, you know, that's that's me. That's what I struggle with. I think, um, you know, and I think that is how our flesh works in our life, that we can't just be open and honest about that. I think there's a lot of judgment. Um, you mentioned it. We live in a very polarized world. We do. Um, and it's like you're either on this side or that side and things like that. And I think these all contribute to why this is a difficult issue uh, to talk about. And it's a difficult issue um, for churches to deal with. Well, I'm going to throw a, a couple of, of verses out there and what God's word says. Um, this first one's from 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Another one from John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. And I'll give you one more from Galatians, Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so it's evident right there as we read Scripture. No, well, I don't, I don't see the word. Ra- I've heard this before. I don't see the word racism. I don't see the word racist in the Bible. But you don't have to see the word. I don't see the word coffee in the Bible, and I'm drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's a lot of times we can dismiss things in our mind and heart, but. If I'm not in the shoes of somebody else that's been a victim of it, I truly don't understand, and I can't become like they are if my skin color is this color and someone else has gone through it and their skin color is that color. But what we can universally do is understand what God says about it. And like you started off, Jeff, in John uh, 13, 34, it, it, it talks about um, how we are to, uh, Jesus tells us, to to love one another like I um, have loved you, a new command I give you, love one another as I, has lo- as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so when you list all of those verses, and, um, and here's what I would say, and I, I'm going to, I took this from someone else who's a theologian that gave this as an example, so it's not originally with me, but um, I grew up in, just to be honest, a, a pretty white world. Okay, I grew up in a city that I would say was 98% white. Um, I grew up in a large church. Back then, it would have been considered a mega church, ran between two and 3,000 people. The only people who went to my church that were not white would be occasionally um, children that we'd bring on a bus whose parents didn't go to our church. And, and here's what probably the biggest takeaway just to give somebody a challenge today, because I know this is the beginning of many conversations. Is Man, this. Sure it is. Yeah. Um, studying the Bible, studying theology, um, understanding what God has written, the authors of the Bible have intended. It's kind of like going up a mountain. And I gone up that mountain through my tradition of faith many times, and I went up the same trail, the same path. And when I go up the same path, I, I would see a lot of things. I would see um, a lot of my personal relationship with God emphasized. I would see a lot of the importance of spiritual disciplines emphasized. In my tradition of faith, a lot of things on purity, how you date, you know, those kind of things. And I would go up the same path over and over again. But you know what? With any mountain, there's other paths to go up. It's still the same mountain. It's still the same theology. But when you go up a different path, you start seeing different things. You might see a, a different stream. You might see a different tree. You might see a, a different um, hill. Okay, you see different things. And what really happened in my life 
is that God in the Bible just got bigger. Mm. And all of a sudden, when I look at those texts, I, I see the life of Jesus. And while it is true, he came and loved me individually so I could spend eternity with him. That is a, a narrative of the Bible, but not the only narrative. And all of a sudden, I started seeing Christ as so countercultural. And as he would reach across divides, either in speaking with Gentiles or Samaritans, uh, how he would interact with the politics of that day, how he was bringing people together um, with the gospel, all of a sudden those narratives became huge. All of a sudden, the Great Commission wasn't just so individual people could accept Christ and go to heaven. It was to make disciples, followers of ethnos, people groups all over the world, different people groups. And I think what happens is once, and you mentioned this, and, and, I, and I get, I'm always trying to think of the people who are listening that are going to know some things that we understand ethnicity and racism as social constructs that have come about in the last 200 years. I, I get that world out there, but just talking about how most of us understand it, once you start going up the mountain of the Bible and you see God's heart to not just reconcile us as individuals to him, right. but to reconcile us as a community to each other, and the Bible's very intentional, very intentional That's about— good reconciling different people groups together. It is a theme of the epistles. It's a theme of the Psalms of the Old Testament, of the call of Abraham. And once you start going up the mountain that way, you start seeing your faith in Christianity in what we would call the meta-narrative of God's plan of redemption. And then all of a sudden you start seeing this thing called racism for all the ugliness that it is as what the enemy and our flesh and our world system is using to fight against God's ultimate meta narrative, which is in the book of Revelation, all kindreds, tongues, nation, praising God together. So the biggest takeaway, you know, I would give away for any listener today, are you, are you open to going up the mountain of your experience with God? Not in a, a way that's counter to the individualistic way, but to see different things in the Bible that maybe can just teach you to be a little self-aware about where you might be struggling. That's good, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, so we know out there, there are victims of racism. There are oppressors of racism, but we do, I believe, need to understand what Ephesians 6 tells us. The battle isn't about flesh and blood. The battle's not the person sitting across from you. The real battle is the evil one behind the scenes trying to divide the world and doing everything against what God, like you have said, he's, he's intentional about bringing us to God, to a relationship with him, and also a relationship to join us together in that harmony. And I'm not trying to sound like, you know, oh, harmony and floating on cloud. I mean, serious relationship, loving relationship. And I'll finish with this, Jeff, and I thank you so much for being here. I cannot love another person. I cannot fight through seeing differences or any kind of sin, not just racism or any, any sin any of us go through. We cannot do it on our own without that loving relationship with Jesus Christ. So we need to dig into his word, understand the gift that he's given us, accept that gift and learn how he loves us so much. And that teaches us in turn how to love each other. Well, it's, I, I agree. And 
I'll echo what you said again. My biggest war is within me. Um, Amen. You know, people ask, do you think Satan's attacking you? Well, he's om- not omnipresent. I don't know if he's ever personally come to attack me, but uh, Jeff Cox's own flesh is plenty for Jeff Cox to deal with. And, and that, Les Norman's as well. The, that's the war we all fight. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. This is definitely a topic that we can't tackle in 20 to 30 minutes. So down the road, we'd love to have you come back and dive into this more. I'd love to do that as well. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for loving God and loving people and and giving your life to trying to help other people heal and pointing them to God. I so much appreciate your ministry, your different ministries, and being obedient to the call that God has placed on your life. And thanks for even just touching the, the surface on a very, very difficult subject. I thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So for more information, if you want to be, uh, if you need that help in the Counseling Center, that's livingproof.co forward slash ministry forward slash counseling. Other ministries where you can serve, get involved, or just find out more information, you can go to livingproof.co. So for my guest, Jeff Cox, I'm Les Norman. Thanks for joining us on the Watching World Podcast.